Some of you might say Philemon. Philemon. Philemon is the third shortest book of the Bible. Does anyone know what the second and the first is? Anybody know? William? Second John? And? Third John. Second and third John. Now, how many verses are in those books? Um, no, just each one. He's going to flip real quick. 23. So, 23, Philemon is the third shortest book of the Bible. Now, as we dive in tonight, you might look at some of these shorter books of the Bible, and they might look insignificant to you, but there are so many, and tonight we're going to see, you know, there's no doctrine in this epistle of Paul's. No doctrine here. But we see the grace of God, and we see lessons in forgiveness that each and every one of us could use in our lives. You're in Colossians. We're going to go there first because Colossians and Philemon kind of go together. I'm going to read a verse to you in Colossians, and then I'm going to give you a little background on the book, and then I'll give you some thoughts to write down. Does anyone not have an outline tonight? You'd like an outline? Slip your hand up, anybody? I don't know. Michael, if you need one, you can grab it back there, buddy, because I think there's uh, right there in the foyer. Does anyone else need one since Michael's there? He's my little usher tonight. No, I think that's good. All right. Get one there for yourself, Michael. There's two pages, though. You only grabbed one. There's still one more page. So we look here tonight, and we look at Colossians chapter number 4, and look at verse number 7. Actually, let's skip down a little bit to verse number 8. And what Paul does here is he's, uh, he's asking for them to greet people in the church in Colossae. And so it says, Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your, uh, your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, you see Onesimus right here? A faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things that are done here. Well, we look at the name Onesimus here. You say, well, what does Onesimus have to do with the book of Philemon? has a lot to do with the book of Philemon tonight. And so let me give you a little background. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we're going to read the entire chapter of Philemon tonight. And some of you will be the most Bible reading you've done all week, and so that will be good. We'll be able to do that together here in just a minute. But Philemon was an influential and a seeming well-to-do member of the church of Colossae. That's where Paul was writing the book of Colossians. He wrote to the church in Colossae. And in fact, his home was so big, Philemon's was, that literally they had the church in his house. That's how big his house was. And what happened is, and you've got to understand something, like most well-to-do people in those days, they either had servants or slaves, either way. And so Onesimus was one of Philemon's servants or slaves. Now, when we look at this, Onesimus served Philemon, but he had done something wrong and probably illegal. Probably he stole from Philemon, and then he fled to escape away from his master. And so, you think about this, 
both actions, the fact that he stole or that he wronged Philemon as his servant was wrong, but then the fact that he just left and got out of there not to get punished was something else that he did wrong. So Onesimus was quite the guy, quite the character. And Onesimus, what happened was, he found Paul in Rome while Paul was in prison. And isn't it interesting that most people who found Paul, or who Paul found, Paul would share the gospel with. And Onesimus is one of the ones that Paul shared the gospel with. And Onesimus, his life was changed, and he got saved by the grace of God. So when we look at this passage here, you've got to understand something. He was changed, his life was changed forever, Onesimus was. He became profitable to the ministry. We even read about that there in the book of Colossians. But there's something that happens. You notice that Paul in the book of Colossians talks about how Onesimus was sent back to the church in Colossae. Well, that's the church where Philemon was. And this person, Onesimus, had stolen from Philemon and then took off. And now Paul is sending him back to the church to help out. You'd be like, that dirty crook? That would be some of our thoughts. So Paul sends this letter back with Onesimus. So when Onesimus is on his way to the church in Colossae, he has this, and you got to understand something. When Philemon saw Onesimus for this, at this time, he had every legal right to deal very harshly with Onesimus, Onesimus upon his return. Think about this. A captured slave, in Latin, it's where we get the word fugitive, was branded on their forehead for what they had done and most of the time sentenced to death for what they did to their owner. So think about this. When Philemon saw Onesimus, he had every right to turn him over to the authorities and to have him uh, prosecuted for what took place. But Onesimus gets saved. Paul vouches for it. And Paul sends Onesimus back to the church in Colossae. And he sends a letter to give to Philemon. So when Onesimus gets there, this is the letter he gives to the one who he wronged from Paul. So let's read it together. Philemon, only one chapter, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and to Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Appia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, into the church in thy house. Do you see how the church was still meeting? So that's even, that's even more crazy to think about. So Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon's house, to the church there. And this is where Onesimus had stolen and wronged Philemon. So put all that together. So it says, verse number three, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Man, it sounds like Paul's buttering him up just a little bit, doesn't it, right there? And it says, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual 
by the knowledge of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee, that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained un with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldst receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And if thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or owed thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand, I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord, refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. Therefore salute thee, Papyrus, my fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now you read through that book, and you take time to just think for a minute. This was quite the thing for Paul to vouch for Onesimus. Paul's saying he's a changed man. I want you to receive him as you would receive me. Wow. That's powerful when you stop to think about it. Let's have a word of prayer this evening, and then we're going to dive in and talk about forgiveness tonight. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this passage of Scripture. I don't know if your church this evening was able to decipher that the songs that we sang about tonight talked about your amazing grace. But in all honesty, the only difference between being usable for God and being unusable for God is the grace of God. So thankful for your grace. So thankful for your grace in my life. I'm thankful for your grace in Onesimus' life here and how you worked in Philemon to receive him and you used how you worked in the situations is an amazing thing to me. 
Help us tonight as we look at this passage. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me give you a few introductory thoughts, and then I'll give you some thoughts on forgiveness from these verses. First thing we see, number one, is this is Paul's shortest letter. Out of all of Paul's writings, this is the shortest. This is also, not only is it the shortest letter, but it's also a prison epistle. And it was written from prison in Rome. Probably the last epistle that Paul wrote was 2 Timothy. If you're going in order through the Bible, Philemon would be the last one that's attributed to Paul. Now, next week we won't be having a Wednesday night service, so the following week we'll talk about the book of Hebrews. Some people attribute that to Paul and some don't, and I'll give you some reasons how it could be or it might not be. But we see the Philemon would technically be the last one. Um, now, we see number three that the key verse is verse number 18. Paul says this, If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, Put that on my account. Powerful verse. We'll talk more about that here in just a minute. And then number four. The only one of Paul's letters, this is the only one, that is not doctrinal or intended for church instruction. Out of all of Paul's letters that he wrote, there is no doctrine. On Sunday nights, we're in the book of Romans. Yeah, it's just doctrine. Is straight up doctrine. Um, when we've gone through the book of Ephesians, tons of doctrine. There's instruction for the church. But this short 25, ver- is it 25? 25 verse book does not include any doctrine or it wasn't for a church. This was written to an individual. And you say, well, he wrote to individuals in Timothy and Titus. That's true. But there was a lot of church instruction on how to, how to behave yourself church and those things in those letters to Timothy and Titus. So we see that this was the only one that was not of that nature. Now, I want to talk to you for a few minutes tonight in the area of forgiveness. It's an area that we as Christians struggle in. Why we struggle with it? I'm not quite sure. Every one of us in this room want to be forgiven. If we wrong someone, we want them to forgive us. How many of you want to be forgiven from people? I think everyone would agree with that statement. But then it's hard for us to forgive someone when they wrong us. But forgiveness is key in the Christian life. Because this is what happens, church. If we get to the point in our lives where we don't forgive that hurt that's inside, because we'll use this as an example. Onesimus hurt Philemon and his family by what he did. His actions hurt Philemon. Quite possibly could have hurt that whole church, if we're being honest, right? Who knows what all it entailed. But when we get hurt, we have a choice. Do we forgive or do we hold on to? And we got to be very careful because hurt can turn into anger, which leads to wrath, 
which leads to bitterness. There are a lot of bitter Christians today because they've never learned to forgive. One of the things that I want you to understand, we're going to get to this passage here in just a second, forgiveness not only helps the person who needs the forgiveness, but forgiveness helps you. But we like to hold on to it. I've had many people come to me and say, Pastor, there's some situations in my life I'm very bitter. And I just don't know how to deal with it. What you always got to do, you got to look back at what Christ did for you. The fact that, and I have, and anyone who's ever been in my office and you've talked to me about bitterness, the very first thing that we do, I say, make a list of everything you've done against God. Everything. I want to know everything. Like, I don't want you to know those things. I said, write it out. I don't even read the list half the time. Sometimes I do if they're real hesitant on giving it to me. They're trying to hide something. But we'll go through the list. I said, look at what you've done to God. Now, what do I do? I throw the paper in the trash can. Because God's forgiven you. And as far as the east is from the west, that's what he's done with your sin. He's chosen to forget it. And if God can forgive us with all that we've done to him, then how can we not forgive those who trespass against us? Forgiveness is very important, but forgiveness is a hard thing. We see this passage, and I want to give you some thoughts tonight on forgiveness. Number one is this, love people no matter where they have been or what they have done. Love people no matter where they have been or what they've done. Onesimus was a fugitive. He was a criminal. Did he ask for forgiveness here? No, not before this time. I hope that when he got to Philemon, he apologized to him. But love people no matter where they've been or what they've done. Say, how could I ever love that type of person? Have you ever looked in the mirror? How could God love me? I wasn't lovable. So why is it any different for anyone else? Aren't you glad that God loved you no matter where you've been? Or no matter what you've done, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? Yeah, I'm very thankful for that tonight. And that's a lesson that as Christian forgiveness, you've got to understand something. Love people no matter where they've been or what they've done. No one is beyond the love of Christ. He loves everyone, and guess what? He knows everyone in this room better than we even know ourselves. And now, as your pastor, I know a lot of you very well. I know a lot of secrets in a lot of your lives in here tonight that you would not want me sharing with the whole world. But I'll tell you this. He knows far more than I could ever know. And he loves you. Amen. He loved you enough that he died for you. He thinks that much of you. And if he knows all and he can love, then we as the people of God need to love people no matter where they've been or what they've done. That's how the church should be as well. 
we don't, aren't a place where sinners can come find refuge, then what are we in business for? They need to find a place that will welcome them. Because we all know that we're all sinners too. Problem is, sometimes we get the attitude like all those Pharisees when they brought the woman taken in adultery. What did Jesus say? Well, you who are without sin, you can cast the first stone. They all left. Love people, no matter where they've been or what they've done. That, now, that doesn't mean you excuse certain things and you just allow things to keep going on because that's not right either. But love people. And love them enough to help them and try and encourage them. But love people, number one. Paul cared for Onesimus. Number two, it's better to live from love than duty. Look at what Paul says. Look at verse number eight and nine. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the age, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. In the Christian life, it is a much better idea to live from the thing, from look at what God's done, look at God's love. Isn't it who Paul who said the love of Christ, it constrains me. How can I not live for the Lord? But we have far too many Christians who live out of duty and not from God's love. And God's love is the driving motivation behind all that we do. It's not duty, because at the end of the day, what do you really have to do? What do you have to do to keep eternal life? Oh, nothing. You can't lose it. Love should drive what we do. That's why Paul, in his letter to the Ephesian church, he said, my prayer for you is that you would know the length, the breadth, the height, the depth of his love. It's better to live from love than from duty. Number three, people can change. People can change. I hear a lot of people, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I can't, you can't, but God can. Look at verse 10 and 11. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Wow, Onesimus went from being unprofitable, a criminal, a good-for-nothing piece of trash, a safe child of God. Do you know what we like to do? Let me give you a little thought. Sometimes people get married. One of their first thoughts in marriage is, I'm going to change them. Let me help you out tonight. You're not going to change your spouse. You're not. I don't care how long you try, you will not change them. I'm, then you're going to just beat your head against the wall. You're never going to change them. As a pastor... I wish I could change people. I wish I could just knock some sense into some people sometimes. But I can't. The Spirit of God and God can change people. People can change. Don't give up on people. The Bible said, just man, he falls seven times, but he rises up again. 
Peter asked Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Seven times seven? Seven times? Seven times seven? Seven times 70? 490 times? That could be in a day. People can change. God can change people. Don't give up on people. Let me help you out here as well. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on yourself. God can change you. Because he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You can change. I hear too many Christians, I'm not changing. You can't change me. Yeah, that's very true. I can't. Oh, but you know what? This book can change you. Hey, that Holy Spirit, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Holy Spirit of God can change you. And Christian, I would be asking God to work in me and change me. Hey, if you ever get to the spot in your Christian life where you're like, I'm good, and I'm not, and you're done growing, you should be constantly changing, growing in the right direction. I hear a lot of Christians say, bless God, I haven't changed in 50 years. I would hope that in that amount of time you've been in this book and realized, wow, there's even more that I didn't realize, and that you're growing and changing to be more like him. Because you can't tell me in 50 years you're, you've you're gotten closer to being like him if you haven't changed anything. I look all the time and I change things. Do I change them for change's sake? No, because I have to change how I think to align with what this book says. And sometimes my thinking get, isn't quite right. My thinking's got to get right with the book. But people can change. Don't give up on them. And then next, number four. Sometimes short-term wrong can lead to long-term blessing. Key word, sometimes, okay? I'm not saying every single time that happens. But sometimes short-term wrong can lead to long-term blessing. Say, what do you mean, Joseph's brothers? Let's kill him. No, we'll just throw him in this pit. Oh, we'll sell him as a slave into Egypt. There was some wrong, a lot of wrong done there. But God meant it for good. God can take short-term wrongs and turn them into a blessing. God can take wrongs others have done and use them for great good in his plan and purposes. Now let me make sure you understand something real quick. God doesn't lead someone to do the wrong to make his purpose work. That's not how God works. But when you and I mess up, he takes our mess ups and makes it all work out. Because sometimes it was, it was the Lord's will that I did that. No, 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 no. It's never God's will for you to do wrong. Never, 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 never. I'll say it one more time. Never. It's never God's will for you to do wrong. So don't say it was God's will that, no, 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 no. It wasn't. But God can take us where we are, and make things work. That's how awesome God is. And sometimes short-term wrong can lead to long-term blessing. And then number five, forgiveness changes relationships. Forgiveness changes relationships. Look at verse 16. Not now as a servant, but above a servant. A brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. 
hey, that relationship was changed from a servant slash fugitive to a brother in Christ. Now, hold your place here in Philemon. Go back to Colossians, second chapter number three. Every time I ever hear those toilet seats slam down there, I'm thinking, we need those ones that just go slowly down, and then you don't ever hear them slam. But I only think of it right in the middle of a sermon when it slams down. That's the only time it runs through my head. So you just wait to hear that the toilet flushes and that hands are washed on the way out. So we'll hope you did, Zane. So we look at Colossians chapter number 3, and look with me down at verse number 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Whether there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, Meekness, long-suffering, look here, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. I think Paul gave the key to all of this right here. In a church, you better learn to forgive one another. You're going to get wrong. Forgive. Put on. And, I, and the Bible makes it clear. I was, I'm teaching the young um, chapel for the Caroline's class. We're just talking about today, we talked about not lying and the importance of not lying. But you look at that passage of Scripture, the Bible says you've got to put off the old man and put on the new man. It's a choice. And like Paul says here, you've got to put on these things. That new man, you've got to let the new man, the new creature you become in Christ, you have to let that man rule in you. Or woman, if that helps you out a little bit there. You've got to let him rule. So that you do the right things. Our old flesh does not want to forgive. Our old flesh wants to hold on to things. Our flesh wants to do all the things opposite of this list of things right here. And forgiveness changes relationships. And then next, number six, use your influence to help others. Use your influence to help others. You say, oh, what do you mean? Use your friendships to build other friendships with people. Remember Philemon? Hey, Paul says, hey, you and me are brothers. Me and Onesimus are brothers. I want you and Onesimus to be brothers. That's something that's big, too. Sometimes in Christianity, we get this idea where we want to hoard people to ourselves. There's nothing Christian about hoarding people to yourself. Let's, let's make sure we understand something tonight. You're not everyone in this room is going to like everyone sitting in this room, okay? You're not. I get that. Different personalities. Some people, their personalities 
jive well together, and some of you, it's like oil and water. They just don't mix. And I'm not telling you that the oil and water need to spend hours and days together. But you still need to be friendly with each other. You know, sometimes we get this idea, you got to understand, there are some people you're going to have in a church, you're going to have people who are better friends with other people than others. That doesn't always mean that they're this, these clicky people that have their own, li- no, they just get along well. But may I just say, your little group that gets along well needs to reach out and get along with other people too. And you should get along with everybody. You don't say, I'm just going to avoid that person. That's not Christ-like. No. You know, what should we do? So there's someone that you don't like. And you've got a friend that you're real close to. And that friend that you're real close to knows that you don't like that person a whole lot. But they're also friends with that other person. That person in the middle should be trying to draw everyone to like everybody. That's Christianity. You don't have to spend hours with everyone in this room. I don't know if I could spend hours with Anthony. No, I could. Anthony's a good guy. There are some people in the room, I don't know if I could spend hours with you. I don't know if you'd want to spend hours with me. Did you say, yeah, Margie, back there? I heard you. (laughs) Fine, I'm never coming back over. Last time I came to your house, you kept me till midnight almost. I was there two hours, and you act like you enjoyed my company. I get the truth now. I see. You didn't enjoy my company. I get it now. I see that. I'm just teasing you, Margie. But help get people. Everyone should like one another. And that should be something that's imp- And use your influence to help that. And like I said, you don't have to be buddy-buddy and best friend BFFs or anything like that. Or like I said, don't invite them over to your house for dinner. Take them out somewhere. That way they don't know your address, and then you can leave whenever you want. That's a great way of doing it. But use your influence to help others next. Forgiven people will willingly forgive. Verse 19. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. Hey, forgiven people will willingly forgive. That's why sometimes we need to be reminded of how much the Lord's done for us. You know, one of the things that I don't think we take into account or realize, do you know why the Lord's Supper one of the important reasons of the Lord's Supper, it's not because you need a little wafer, a little juice to drink every once in a while. To put your focus back in the right place and to realize what Christ did for you so that you'll do it for others. A lot of people miss that in it. That's a big thing behind it. Number eight, we're almost done. 728, we're doing great on time. We're going to finish right close to on time. Number eight, We should remember the investment others have made in us. There are no self-made people. There are not. I'm so thankful for those who've invested in me. I go through a list of people tonight that have helped me become what I am today. And we look at these verses... And we think about Paul had a part in Philemon's life. He had a part in Onesimus' life. 
And when we look at this, don't forget those who've invested in you. But do you know what that should tell us? That means you need to take and invest in others as well. You don't just take what you've been given and hoard it to yourself. You invest that in others. That's how, that's how Christianity is supposed to be. You know, the disciples just didn't say, okay, we can keep this to ourselves. This is great what Jesus taught us. We're just going to keep it to ourselves and not give it to anyone else. I'm glad they didn't do that. I'm glad that they're willing to die to get it to everybody else. We should remember the investment others have made in us in number nine. Love leads us to go above and beyond. Look what it says there in verse 21. Having confidence in thy obedience, I write unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Paul's like, I know you, Philemon. I know that what I tell you here, you're going to obey this, and you're going to even go above and beyond what I've told you to here. Challenged people to do more than is expected. Sometimes we like to do the bare minimum. Aren't you glad that God didn't do the bare minimum? Aren't you glad? I'm glad that he didn't do the bare minimum for me. I'm glad not only did he save me from hell, but he said, you can have a home in heaven. And not only can you have a home in heaven, but I'll give you my spirit to go with you everywhere you go through life. And not only that, I'll give you my book. It will be your guide through life. He's given us so much. He went above and beyond. But so often we just do the bare minimum. Love should lead us to go above and beyond. What wonderful lessons in forgiveness. This is the only one of Paul's letters that doesn't mention Jesus' death and resurrection. So why doesn't it? Because it doesn't need to. Paul's showing us a picture of the gospel right here. Hey, put that, what did Paul say? Put that on my account. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Hey, hey, Father, <laughs> you can put their sin on my account. I got their tab. I've taken care of them. Forgiveness and restoration here is not of human making. It's not in us. It can only happen when we realize the forgiveness and restoration we've received from God. You want to know something that's pretty funny? When you think about this, Paul basically tells Philemon here, you've received grace, now you need to give it to someone else. That's what Paul's saying. And Onesimus, it's time for you to do the same as well. Do you know what the name Onesimus means? Useful or profitable. What a name. And he went from being not very useful, and in fact being the opposite of that. And before his conversion, he was useless. But when he came to Christ, Christ changed his life. I said earlier, and I'll say it one last time, the bridge between usefulness and uselessness is simply the touch of God's grace. That's the difference. You know why you're usable tonight? Or why there's usefulness in you? Because of his amazing grace that saved the wretch like me. You know what the difference is between someone who's useless? They haven't gotten the touch of God's grace. That's the difference between saved people and unsaved people. One little difference of his grace.
and thank God for his grace tonight. So even though this little letter does not give, talk about Jesus' death and resurrection, it speaks loudly and clearly the gospel. And it should be some great lessons for us, hard lessons, but lessons for each of us to follow. Father, we love you. We thank you for this evening.